0: Today is Sunday, August twenty sixth, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode two seventy seven featuring the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn is brought to you by RX Bar. My listeners get twenty five percent off their first order by going to rxbar.com/slash Celtics Beat. The show is also brought to you by Boston Barber. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core in. Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward of the Celtics, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, Aaron Baines, and others. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well known corner barber shop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core located at 113 Salem Street. All right, welcome in. Hopefully everybody's enjoying your summer. Of course, time's winding down on the summer, but the good news is fall is right around the corner, and that means Celtics basketball. As always, subscribe to Celtics Beat, as I hope you already are. iTunes, you can just search Celtics Beat. You can go on Twitter, my Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. Find the link to do it there. If that's another way you want to do it, or just follow along, be part of the conversation, enjoy all the content, as I know you always like to be. Of course, my notifications are always going crazy, but listen, I could monologue, I could do my whole spiel but in the interest of time let's get right to our guy let's dive in gary washburn's a national nba writer for the boston globe doesn't just cover the celtics explores the entire league and gary took a while but seems like we've finally got a bit of an off season you enjoying some time off
1: yeah i mean it's it's good to be able to kind of uh you know take a deep breath and prepare for what's going to be a pretty uh you know, fascinating season in Boston, probably one of the more fascinating seasons maybe in, in almost 10 years. So, um, yeah, it's good. But, you know, it's, it's also good to see basketball in the headlines pretty much all throughout the year. It's mm-hmm. become a 24-hour, you know, 365 sport, um, something some, somewhat like football. And so it's, it's good to see the, the growth of the sport. But, yeah, this, this August and kind of uh, uh, break is, is definitely good for probably all of us.
0: How much do you think social media has to do with that? Part of that is NBA Twitter and just the craze that it is. And it's really an, an identity all in itself. And, and people, including me and you to some degree, I'm sure, just celebrate it and try and stay an active part of it. But in addition to that, you have just how outgoing a lot of these athletes are and what they like to use their platforms for them. And, and even removing important issues, just the fact that they like to goof around on their Instagrams, on their Twitters, on, on whatever YouTube videos that they like to to go out and surprise people and last year we had the showing up in Duncan in somebody's random driveway, that type of thing. It seems like it's as the years have gone on, and maybe it's the next generation of kids that are entering this league, but they're especially engaging compared to maybe where we were a, a handful of years ago.
1: I think that there's just more of an interest in the league and there's more of an interest in what the players are doing in the off season where before, you know, you didn't really care what guys are <laughs> doing, you know. Uh, in July and August and September, you just you know cared as long as they stayed in shape. Now you got uh, these whole plethora of off-season leagues. You know now you know the Drew League, the Rucker League. Now there's one in, in Seattle ran by Jamal Crawford, and now there's the you know there was this workout at UCLA uh, yesterday with Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and LeBron. Now got you know like there just seems to be more of a fascination of what these guys do in the off season and then now and then there's the international trips. Clay Thompson in China or Kawhi going places for shoe companies and they're just like you're right, social media has helped popularize that. So now we're following their journeys all through the year, not just through the season. And there's a there's an interest in what these guys do in the summer And we, you know, as fans and the fans itself eat all that up of what, where is Terry Rozier right now? Is (laughs) is he working out? Is he getting ready for the season? I mean, we just want to know that. And I just think 10, 15 years ago we didn't care. You know, we just assumed Mm. these guys were in some dark gym taking shots up. (laughs) And, and, you know, it was like, so what, see, in October. But now there's a, a widespread interest in what these guys are up to Throughout the year, and those guys, you know, the the media savvy, social media savvy athlete keeps the fans up. You know, you want your followers, your shoe company is saying, hey, we want to, you know, we want you to have a lot of Instagram followers. We want people to interest, we want want people to buy your shoes. So you got to, you got to show show people where you're at, and you got to wear the shoes, Um, or you need to go, you know, to uh, you know this particular Japan or China or yeah. you know uh, London or whatever, to sell this shoe or sell your product you know uh, so it, it, I think we just have a more of a fascination now, like you said, with the athlete in the off season the nba player because of social media, and there 's an interest because we want to make sure our guy 's staying in shape he 's getting better, we want to make sure he 's working on a jump shot. Um, and so we're 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 tuned in
0: well on top of that too it's it's like these guys are always talking not just showing up on social media where Kyrie or Jason Tatum these guys have their basketball camps and they're going out and dunking on kids or doing whatever they're doing you have J.J. Redick has his own podcast or C.J. McCollum has a podcast Terry Rozier has that partnership with Barstool he shows up on a podcast or even the leagues that you mentioned it's not current players other than maybe guys like a big baby or Nate Robinson looking for comebacks but you have the big three and so it's there there really is to your point just basketball all year round and you know in that same vein earlier this week we had the one year anniversary of the Kyrie Irving Isaiah Thomas trade and it's crazy to think about how much has changed in a year for both of those men for Boston for Cleveland just around the association on the whole but what's next Gary because I, I need another blockbuster deal I like the August giant trade
1: you're talking about like before this season ends
0: <laughs> I know it's not I know it's not actually coming but how much fun was that last year oh, and to but I
1: mean it was into yeah. you know it was fun, but it was bittersweet because you didn't want to see Isaiah traded. Well, sure, Isaiah sure. Isaiah had just done so much for the organization. So I just think everyone collectively understood in Boston that it was a trade that had to be made, but you didn't feel completely good about it because you were losing Isaiah, and Isaiah basically got traded because he got hurt. And he got traded because Kyrie and his fickleness decided he didn't want to play in Cleveland. I mean, honestly, if you just – if, if Kyrie Irving does not request a trade. Isaiah Thomas is still a Celtic or is, is either trying to resign in Boston or whatever. The organization is completely different um, because they don't make that trade if Kyrie is happy in Cleveland, you know sure. they, get, they get rid of um, Avery Bradley to clear space for Gordon Hayward, but Isaiah is still in Boston if that doesn't happen. So that's the whole fascinating aspect of the story is how one guy's unhappiness caused a tidal wave and basically affected Isaiah's career. Like, let's be honest. I mean, Kyrie and Isaiah are linked because of that. If, I, if Kyrie is happy, if he has no issues in Cleveland or goes, you know what, I'm not real happy, but I'm going to play this thing out, okay, and we're going to try to win a title next year, 2018, uh, with LeBron. Isaiah's still in Boston, you know. Is Danny shopping him? Maybe, but but how much is he getting for him? Not much. Jay Crowder is still here. The whole thing changes. It's fascinating.
0: Well, and the whole team just looks different last year, too, because if you're to assume, and I agree with you, the Cleveland trade doesn't happen, but if you're to assume that no other trade happens and that Isaiah does come back, health is health. I mean, what played out in Cleveland and eventually L.A. more or less is kind of what the role is different, but health-wise, the hip, that still plays out in Boston. So he's he's not the same guy. He's still not all-NBA, a top-five MVP vote-getter. He's not a guy that's going to command the Brinks truck. He's still getting those smaller dollars by had
1: Terry Rozier they might have known about Terry Rozier before we found out about Terry Rozier sure so or they could have tried to go out and get another point guard and you know but who is, who would have taken Isaiah at his current stake the only reason Cleveland made that deal is because they had they felt like they had to and, and the Nets very, pick didn't hurt and he had a rookie GM who felt like he wasn't gonna you know like they could have let it ride and said you know what uh Demand your trade, Kyrie, you're not going anywhere, but he didn't. So there's a lot of circumstances there. But the Celtics might have unleashed Scary Terry in October <laughs> as, opposed to, um, as opposed to, you know, in March when Kyrie got hurt mm-hmm. for the final time. So there's a lot of factors and elements that went on with that. And, you know, who knows if Isaiah still would have been a Celtic throughout the year. They might have tried to find a deal for him but to see what happened to him the money that he's making or not making um you know it's it's very sad
0: We'll get right back to Gary. I want to tell you today's show brought to you by RX Bar. In 2013, the founders of RX Bar called BS on the protein bar industry. None of the protein bars on the market really gave you what you actually really need out of a protein bar. They were full of artificial ingredients, fillers, preservatives that just flat out aren't healthy for you. That's why RX bars are different. Each bar speaks for itself, right on the front of the package. RX bars are made with egg whites, dates, nuts, fruits, unsweetened chocolate. You know, ingredients that are are actually good for you. And now they have a whole new line for your kids. We know parents have to compromise when it comes to what their kids snack on. I get it. Believe me, I've got three. These bars, they're a little bit smaller than the adult size ones. The texture's softer, the nuts cut up a little bit smaller, but each packs the same great punch as the adult ones. Use them as a snack for after school or make it part of what's inside the lunchbox. Whatever works for you. The fruit and nut bars, terrific. Perfect balance of sweet and salty. But, got to admit, chocolate flavor, I like chocolate before bed. It's it's just something to, I don't know, make you feel like you're getting a little wired up. What are you waiting for? Get yours today. My listeners get an exclusive offer. Go to rxbar.com slash Celtics Beat and get a pack of six adult bars and four kids bars for 20 off. It's 25% off your first order by going to rxbar.com slash Celticsbeat. Well, let's stay with Kyrie Irving because one of the huge talking points this summer even though it's far more relevant next summer is of course his free agency and I can't help but wonder and you already alluded to some of this as related to Cleveland and that was a whole different situation because mainly it related to LeBron but how much influence does the Celtics success this season have on Kyrie Irving's free agent decision next summer and that could seem like kind of a silly question but lack of success again was not a problem in Cleveland he left a perennial finals participant title contender because he reportedly wanted his own team and in boston he's the face sure but i'd argue and i i stand by this that this is not his team quote unquote i mean jason tatum not there yet but could be a top five player in the league in a few years people are going to love gordon hayward once he's healthy if he's not already he's an all-star he's boston's best all-around player and above all of that brad stevens It's his team. You know, that's not true of of many clubs in this league where the coach is actually more important than the players. So how is Kyrie going to weigh this situation, do you think?
1: It would be hard for me to believe that Kyrie would walk away from a championship team or a team that lost in the NBA Finals. I think the LeBron element was what affected Kyrie, that LeBron was hovering, his departure was hovering over the organization, and it was like he was going to leave and then leave Kyrie with a bunch of dudes, a bunch of old guys. Hmm. I think Kyrie is very comfortable in Boston for various reasons. One, you know, the city essentially leaves him alone. They're not in his business. He He can do his thing. He can go out to dinner. He can enjoy the city of Boston. There's no paparazzi. This is not, you know, there's no page six. Um, he's allowed to be himself. I think that's why Garnett liked Boston because they basically left him alone in the city. He, he disappeared after games. You never saw him out, but he showed up on game night and practice, but he enjoyed basically uh, being allowed to be private. I think that's one reason that Kyrie likes Boston. Secondly, he is a leader um, and this team needs leaders. Okay. Al Horford's a leader, but he's more of a leader by example. He's a very quiet guy. He'll sit in the locker room, read his book. You know, he leads by example. Okay, you look at Al, if you're Robert Williams or one of these younger guys, and go, okay, that's how I sort of need to carry myself. Like, I don't, you know, he, he's he's he been around so long, I need to be like him. But Kyrie is a more vocal guy, and he's very much, I think, attempted to bond with some of his teammates, with Terry Rozier, with Jalen Brown, with obviously the Duke tie with Jason Tatum. So I think he's comfortable with that. Uh, is this his team? I think partially it is. It, yeah, Brad Stevens is a, is a factor, and here comes Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown's a, an emerging player. But remember, Horford's a guy who's going to opt out this year and become a free agent again and probably come back at a lesser contract with a longer term his role is going to eventually change. You don't know what Hayward's role is because you don't know whether you know how good he'll be coming back. It's Kyrie's team. And in terms of the Knicks, I do think there is a, a, definitely a dream of Kyrie's to play in New York. But let's look at that. One, I have no idea how he gets along with David Fitzstill That's the coach, right? Mm-hmm. Who knows how that's going to work? Who knows? Secondly... Does Kyrie leave a championship team that either lost in the finals, won a title? I would probably say lost in the finals. Okay. With a lottery pick in its, in its satchel next year, the Kings pick like, like likely. Um, does he leave that for the Knicks? Or does he re-sign a max deal, play with, I mean, and you play with all this young talent? I mean, to me, that's a hard thing to pass up. And even though, the, I mean, and the Knicks have tried this whole like, let's remember they had all that money before they went and got Melo and they got Amari Stoudemire and that didn't work. Okay, I don't know what the Knicks are going to do. I mean, could they put together Jimmy Butler and Kyrie? And what will that do? What will the rest of their roster look like? Um, you know, it, it's a lot going on. I mean, I think the Knicks are on their way back, but. I don't know if Kyrie, basketball-wise, is saying to himself, "You know what? Me, Jimmy Butler, Chris Stapps, Kevin Knox, Frank Ntilikina, and um, who else is on the roster? You know, the kid from Denver, the point guard who was dumped from Denver. Or, I mean, is that enough talent to win? Or is right. that enough talent to be competitive? Does he want to be competitive in New York? Okay, great. You know." Uh, it, it all depends on what he wants. You want to be the eight seed? Great, go to go to Golden Knicks. So you want to be the seven seed? Because uh, that team, as I pointed out, constituted—they're not getting LeBron. That's out. So it would be Jimmy Butler, let's say, hypothetically, and Kyrie and Porzingis. Like, is that a is that a championship team? Are the Warriors scared of that? No. Hmm. Are even the Celtics scared of that? If you bring back Terry Rozier to replace Kyrie, and then you add a lottery pick. It's a lot on Kyrie's mind. The New York thing, I'm sure, is something that's going to be a factor. Um, He's not going to hint at his decision or what he's thinking. But if I'm Kyrie and knowing I think he wants to be a great all-time great, I think he wants to be a winner – and I think he wants to be a leader amongst young men and help mold, and I think he's doing that in Boston. I, I don't think, uh, I don't know if that can happen in New York.
0: Well, I mean, how much would Kyrie Love, obviously, his dad's number being retired at BU and his number being retired at the Garden with the Celtics, that's the type of thing that actually I think would mean a lot to him thinking way down the road. But obviously, you, you keep bringing up Kyrie and Jimmy Butler for obvious reasons. We keep seeing those reports that they want to play together. You know, I had Alex Kennedy from Hoops Hype on the show not long ago. He told me that his intel, anyhow, was that noise of those guys wanting to team up, be it in New York or wherever else, was really coming from Butler's camp because he's in the situation where he's unhappy it wasn't coming from Irving's camp can you speak to that at all
1: well I did you know I think Butler wants to you know Butler wants to obviously the big payday he wants to be on the big stage and I'm sure he's targeting Kyrie I you know I don't know how close they are I mean Kyrie has some interesting you know relationships in this league there's some guys he's kind of a Kobe Bryant in a sense there's some guys who just or just kind of thinks he's strange, and there's other guys who truly, <laughs> you know, truly think he's a good, you know, tr- he's true friends with. And remember, he's played in this AAU circuit since he was 12, 13 years old, so he knows a lot of guys, you know, from his, you know, those, uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, millennials, these guys who are the Paul George, the guys who were born in 1990, 91, 92, these guys are who are entering the prime of their careers so he knows a lot of these guys from way back um, but I'm just not convinced that Jimmy Butler is the guy who is going to push a team to a championship level I think he's a very solid player but as we found out in Minnesota I mean it's not like Jimmy Butler's gonna put a team over the top and I think that if you're Kyrie Irving being the toast of the town in New York is great when you're winning when you're Derek Jeter um, you know, how did that work for Carmelo going back home? Mm. How did that work for Stoudemire? How did that work for guys who it didn't, it didn't work work out for? It's great. I mean, everybody wants the Derek Jeter story. Everybody wants to be the toast of the town and and win uh, five championships in you know eighteen nineteen years as as Jeter did and and you know have his number retired and all that. But New York's a tough town, and, and that franchise has a chance to be better. I think their management is good with Scott Perry. Fit still, I think the jury is sort of still out because of what happened in Memphis. You, you, you see the makings of a very good coach there, a guy who could lead a team um, to the next level, but we don't really know yet. But that – organization you just don't know
0: you brought up tatum let's go there budding superstar in this league and we've kind of enjoyed watching from afar some of the different things he's been up to this summer the workout with kobe bryant all of that and videos with comparing their moves and how much he's modeled his game after him it's great there's this narrative going around now from people who i'm convinced have nothing to write or talk about that he's overhyped As a talent, I think we can agree that's dumb. But where it does make sense, kind of where you fuse it with expectations for this year. If everybody's healthy, he's not going to get the number of shots that he'd probably like. I don't know about points. Hell, he may not even start every game, although he'll certainly start most. What do you think are reasonable expectations for Tatum in year two? Wow,
1: that's a good question. With uh, with, uh, Hayward's presence, but I think, you know... This is going to be bad. Brad Stevens' biggest uh, challenge, probably as a coach here, is figuring out how, what lineups to play, and how to showcase Tatum. And obviously, I think he's going to take that major second step like Jalen Brown did. He's working. I, mean, I think that Kobe thing, that that um, ESPN thing, is probably one of the better things that happened to Tatum in his career because. You think you've got it all figured out. and You're averaging 16, 17, 18 as a rookie, you know, when you're playing. Then suddenly Kobe Bryant basically points out your terrible footwork. And then, you know, that motivates you to work with him. And Kobe's like, okay, you want to work with me? I'll show you. And so if you're the Celtics, you got to be thrilled at that. Um, I think it might not be numbers-wise that he takes a step forward. I think it's better defense, more efficiency. More confidence. There's a lot of shots that Tatum passed up. You know, he's a good three-point shooter, and for Mm -hmm. a period of time, he just stopped taking them. I think, like, after January 1, that first two months, he was just killing, and then that, I think, January to March, he kind of struggled, and he lost confidence, and he, you know, and he's got to stop turning the ball over, uh, become stronger with the ball. You know, guys were just raking at his hands. He was losing it or he lose it on his own because he was he was squeezing it maybe too tightly and you know there's there's little things to work on it might not be numbers because someone's got to get some shots up i mean there's going to be Hayward Brown Irving and Horford you know and who knows who's going to start i mean are you bringing Tatum off the bench and starting Baines are you starting are you starting a small lineup um, you know it could be, depend from night to night are you starting you know, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, Horford, along with Irving, and then bringing Baines and Morris off the bench. And smart is that, is that with Rozier, is that your nine? Well, on top of um, that,
0: too, Gary, I think there's just going to be so much. This is going to be a Spurs-like or Cavaliers-like or Warriors-like, call it what you want, kind of year for the first time for the Celtics where we're going to see so much of that built-in rest where Irving, Hayward, Horford it won't all be the same, but these guys are going to get nights off even when they're healthy just to balance out the rest and limit the minutes and make sure everybody is as fresh as possible come that postseason.
1: I would I totally agree with that. I think that, I mean, you know, Kyrie is not going to play 82. You know, he's never played 82 even when he's healthy. He'll, I think you're going to get a lot of guys playing 70 games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Hayward, Horford at age 31, uh, approaching 32. No, I think, sorry, Horford's 32 now. Uh, he turned 32 this summer. Uh, Horford, 32. Hayward, you know, coming off the surgery, obviously, and a bad injury. Uh, Kyrie with the knee. I mean, you'll get. I think you'll get seventy-five, seventy-eight out of out of Brown and, and Tatum. Right. You know. Um, and then you got to play. You know, there's going to be. You know, you got to you got to play Morris. Morris bring something. Marcus Smart. Here, you know, where do you? How many minutes do you play him? New contract. Rozier uh, headed for restricted free agency, likely. Um, you know, and then you got guys like Wanamaker, Tice. I mean. They've literally got 12 guys who could play, 12 or 13 guys. I mean, this is, you know, and I don't think the Warriors are complaining about it. So I don't think, you know, people are like, whoa, it's a real issue, right? Like, no, because I don't think the Warriors are saying, oh, we have too much talent here. it's
0: (laughs) a good problem to have.
1: Let's trade one of our guys, right? Um, They're going to have to deal with it, but there's going to be some unhappy guys. And and I don't, you you would think that they'd be in a team concept to know, like, we got so much talent. You know, maybe Brad says that in training at the beginning of camp, saying that hey guys, like every everybody's not going to play as much as they want. Like this is not the 13th Celtics. This isn't even last <laughs> year's. We got so much talent here. I mean, they brought they signed Brad Wanamaker. Where does he play? You know, um, does he does he play if if Smart messes up or if Rozier's the foul trouble? Who who does he came over from Europe and he's a veteran guy looking to get some minutes. You know. Uh, so there's a lot, you know. Wh- what where is Robin Williams play? Mm-hmm. You know, does he? Is he? Does he have a role? Is he going to be in the D League most? There's a lot of moving parts.
0: You know, well, so we,
1: how... we have no idea what's all of what's going to happen over the next few months to figure out who is uh, going to play what minutes, who's going to start on what night. Um, it's it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I, you know, oh, this is going to be Brad Stevens' greatest work uh, if he's able to pull this off and keep guys happy and maybe the guys meet in the you know before the season or during these workouts that will happen in, in at the new facility in September and say listen guys like we got so much talent here not everybody's gonna be happy maybe Kyrie leads that meeting and says hey in Cleveland you no know, not everybody was happy you just got to be a team guy it's a lot it's a lot it's, a, you know, what do they say, uh, Adam? More money, more problems? Like, you know, <laughs> more talent, more problems. Because yeah. this doesn't happen in Sacramento. This doesn't happen in Charlotte. This doesn't happen in Atlanta. This happens in Boston. This happens in Cleveland. Uh, this is going to happen. This happens in Golden State, you know. Uh, You've got to deal
0: with it. All right, one more break. I want to tell you about Boston Barber. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities. Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo, it's, it's more than just Boston's most well-known corner barber shop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people that visit at the north end throughout the year boston barber and tattoo a north end landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core located at 113 salem street everything you just hit on you know i've been thinking a lot about it in terms of really managing expectations for the first time brad stevens having to do that he's never had to with this team thought he would have to last year but then five minutes into the season that all changes and then Kyrie goes down and it changes even more so you can't bank on health but as we have the conversation why not, obviously, but there is all that talent. There are those egos. There are going to be guys, as you said, upset with playing time, even privately. There are going to be guys like Rozier, like Morris, that are in particular thinking about new contracts. How does Brad... Everyone lauds the guy. Nobody has, nobody has a bad word to say about Brad Stevens, which, by the way, good. I'm not looking for anyone to say anything bad about Brad. But how does he channel kind of his own version of, of Ubuntu here?
1: I think he just has has a talk with these guys in the before camp and he lets guys go at it in camp and those, you know, who play the best, you know, will earn minutes. I think he, he gets I think the one thing that Brad has done over the five years he's been here is he has let guys flourish and thrive and succeed on merit. And uh, it's not what you make, it's how well you play and he's going to put you in roles to succeed and not fail. He's not going to put guys in, in roles where they have to shoot if they can't shoot or they have to, uh, you know, play in the post if they're not good in the post, et cetera. And I think there just has to be a high-trust element in Brad um, in this situation. And they put together this team. They made this improbable run without two All-Stars. Now you bring those two All-Stars back. I think those two All-Stars, having sat the sideline during the playoffs, sat there and watched how good Tatum was, how good Brown is going to become, watched Morris play big games. You know, And they they have to enter this situation with humility also. It's not like the Celtics won 33 games last year and they're bringing these guys back. I mean, Mm -hmm. they won 56 and then went to the Eastern Conference Finals and were a couple of made threes from the finals. So... I think even Hayward and Irving both come back here, and they say, okay, either release, because you know what, we don't have to carry the load like we thought we did, or some humility in the sense of like, wow, these guys are good, and I'm going to fit into this role. I'm not going to mess this thing up. I know I'm a superstar. I know I've been in the All-Star game and, and been on the big stage, but I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to be the guy that takes – no one wants to be the guy, Adam, that takes, <laughs> takes the uh, Celtics back – a step in losing in the Eastern Conference Finals to right. Milwaukee. No one wants that to happen, you know. And we've seen it in, throughout sports, you know, when, God, when teams load up and it just doesn't work.
0: Uh, let's talk about a couple of uh, league things before I do let you go. We've talked about the Raptors a little bit and Kawhi Leonard. What I thought was interesting, or not necessarily influential, you can tell me how much, but noteworthy at least, is that the Raps went out and hired this week former Spurs staffer and Kawhi Leonard's good friend, high school and college teammate as well, Jeremy Castleberry. Now, not a name obviously that's household, but very close to Kawhi, and that's what matters. I don't know, is that the type of move that will really influence Kawhi at all in terms of a future in Toronto?
1: I mean, Adam, if I could tell you what was going on in Kawhi's head, I'd be, you know, I'd be make a lot more money than I am now. I mean, I, I I, don't know what motivates this guy. You know, I don't know. And, you know, it's. Set, I mean, if I'm the Raptors, I think it's a great move in terms of, like, this is what you're doing to a guy. You know, Kawhi is a, a kid from, you know, uh, the Inland Empire, L.A. You know, it's a suburb. It's a it's a hugely growing suburb east of Los Angeles. So he's not even, oh he's an L.A. guy. Yeah, if you you could say that, it's like saying you know it's like being from Worcester or something. It's it's not exactly <laughs> Los Angeles. So this is a guy who has kind of been low key throughout his career. San Diego State. Then he goes to San Antonio. Okay, so now you're selling him on a city that is international, that has, you know, is a, is a, is a wonderful melting pot of people, cultures, uh, you know, and you're trying to sell him on this is where you want to be. Look at this city. Look at this. This is a great place. we got everything here, you know. I mean, if you like NFL football, we even got the, the Buffalo Bills a, a couple of hundred miles away. If you want to go to a Bills game, okay, like there's everything here. Music, culture, food, you can learn. You're, you're a young man. Learn about this place. Get, get used to Toronto. Learn to love this place like many of us do, right? Sure. So, so I think that if you're the rapist it's a great move. Sell him on the city. Sell him on attempting, because you want to resign him. You want to make this thing work, because if you lose him after a year, the DeRozan thing, it, it, it's sort of blown up in your face of your uh, Masai Jerry, the general manager. So I think it's a smart move to kind of bring guys there who know him and so he can hang with. You know, he doesn't seem to be a club guy or a guy who's going to go out amongst the people and meet a lot of people. He wants his circle around him. Now, you know, how is the cold weather going to translate for him? I mean, that might be a deterrent, but if I'm the Raptors, I sell him on the city. It's a great city. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there sure. many, many times. You feel like you're in the middle of, you know, it's just such a melting pot, a mixture of people, cultures, restaurants that you can blend in and no one notices who you are. No one, there's no, you know, it just seems to be kind of utopian place in a sense, right? So why not sell him on that? He's a 27-year-old kid who's probably never, you know, been in Toronto past, you know, the longest was the All-Star game when it was, Eight degrees out. When he stayed in his hotel this room. room, yeah. So <laughs> I'm selling, I'm selling that city. I'm selling the fact that here's a guy. Because let's be honest, Adam. I mean, a lot. Not only a lot of these guys have exposure. Not a lot of these guys have been a lot of different places, right? Especially these guys who, you know, he played at San Diego State. He didn't play at Duke. He didn't go to Canada for this tour. He didn't go to Europe. And, you know, or some of these college teams go to the Philippines and a lot of these guys are playing. Like, he's probably hasn't been a whole lot of places, mm. right, for an extended period of time. You know, get him to enjoy the city. Show, Get him to enjoy different foods and different cultures. And he might end learn to love it. DeRozan did. You know, guys love playing up there now. It's not, you know, the, you, know you remember the years ago, well, you know, it, I feel disconnected. My cell phone is acts crazy. Uh, <laughs> the taxes, the customs, I don't like it up here. I want to get back to the States. But now it's no longer an issue. It's not, you know, even from years of traveling to Toronto, the headache of traveling to Toronto is a lot less than it used to be. I mean, 20 years ago when, you know, you had to bring your damn birth certificate along with your, <laughs> uh, you know, darn near passport and and. You know, you were getting, you know, checked at the door and the ATM only worked for certain kind of companies so you couldn't get cash out. All all these things that used to be so foreign in terms of going to Canada that you were ready to go home after a day or two, uh, that doesn't really exist much anymore. So if I'm uh, the Raptors, I'd sell Kauai on the city, and I think that's a great move and We'll see what happens. Who knows what moves him, though? No. Will, 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 will the fans move him? Will playing in the East motivate him? Will the, you know, the fact that he's not buried in, in San Antonio and mm. he's, he's you know playing in a, in a competitive conference and playing in a, a, a situation where he can go to the finals and he's got new teammates and he doesn't have pop yelling at him? Um, we'll, see, you know, we'll see how that goes.
0: Last thing for you, and I mean, this one we could spend an hour on, we won't, but the Lakers. I'm just really curious how you think it's all going to mesh, because you look at finals odds and people actually have the Lakers in that conversation, not certainly a favorite or anything like that, but even a, a top three, a top five, whereas to me... I wouldn't put them ahead of, well, obviously the Warriors, but I wouldn't put them ahead of the Rockets. I wouldn't put them ahead of the Thunder. I wouldn't put them ahead of, I don't even maybe even the Jazz I wouldn't put them ahead of. And then you have sort of the other end of the spectrum. I've heard people, pundits, you know, r- real people with opinions who I value that believe that they're not even going to make the playoffs, that their best-case scenario, a 7 or 8 seed. What do you expect? Uh,
1: Yeah, I expect them to make the playoffs. uh. Um... Without question, there with LeBron James, and they have a lot of young talent. Um, but the West is treacherous, you know. It's not going to be a third or fourth seed. I mean, you got Utah and Minnesota, Denver. You know, Denver's got kind of got a got a playoffs or bust mentality uh, with Mike Malone as coach and adding Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got a lot of teams. You know, the Clippers are going to want to have something to say. Uh, you know, you got your Portland's and, you, like you said, Oklahoma City, and then you got the, you, you got, you know, San Antonio, you don't know what to make of them with with DeRozan and, and obviously Houston, um, New Orleans, so it's going to be a battle every night, but I do think the Lakers are the seventh or sixth or seventh seed. I think they win 45 to 48 games, uh, with, just with LeBron, um, but it's not going to be easy. You know, I mean, it sounds cliché, but there's no terror there's no Cleveland Browns in the NBA <laughs> especially in the West there isn't. There, I mean, Phoenix has is, is gotten better through the draft and signing Trevor Ariza, Sacramento is 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 building a bunch of young guys and and they're going to be a, they're going to take their Ls, but they're going to be young and exciting. Um the Clippers are remade again and and you know with their big three all gone, but they got a, a lot of a lot of talent, you know, just hard-working talent. So there's a lot going on. If I'm the the Lakers, I mean, I think six or seven seeds are very very solid and very – that would be a good season. Um, I don't think that they're – but they're going to have to fight to make the playoffs. It's not going to be easy. You know, I wouldn't just say it's a cakewalk, but I do think with LeBron, with Kyle Kuzma, with Brandon Ingram – um, you know, with Alonzo Ball healthy, you know, uh, they're going to have a chance to do some good things and bring some winning basketball back to L.A.
0: All right, Gary Washburn covers the entire league, the Celtics, all of it for the Boston Globe. You can always, even during the off season and down periods like now, check out his Sunday notes. There's always plenty of Hoops content coming your way. Gary, really appreciate it as always. Let's do it again once the season gets going.
1: Okay, no
0: problem. All right, great stuff from Gary. Always enjoy talking to him, obviously, and, and just a great view and perspective of the entire league, and of course, what is going on here in Boston. we got to get out of here. Episode 277, again, featuring Gary Washburn, brought to you by RX Bar. My listeners will get 25% off their first order by going to rxbar.com slash Celtics Beat. Thanks also to Boston Barber. As always, make sure you subscribe on iTunes to Celtics Beat. You'll be notified as soon as new episodes are posted as they are every single Sunday. You can get us on Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter if you want, at Adam M. Kaufman. I tweet out the shows incessantly. So make sure you do that. Leave us a, a rating, a comment, whatever it may be. We always appreciate your feedback. So thanks again to Gary. Thanks to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, to John, to everybody at CLNS. And most importantly, thanks to you. We'll do it again real soon. A week from today, more Celtics talk and NBA talk and the season. It's coming, guys. It's coming. Preseason games next month. All right, Gino, get us out of here.